With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Jerry Sherwin and I am a blogger at Black Heart Gold Pants. Joining me as always, he thinks the bye week is a cupcake opponent. It's managing editor Max Brecky. Max, what's going on, buddy? Hey. Hey, way to start off the show with some aggression and some excitement. I really appreciate that, my man. Have you not noticed that I do this every week? <laughs> no, probably not, because I usually have Ben's goofy voice on the other end, too. So I'm kind of expecting that. But instead of Ben this week, we have a fun show for you all, where we have a guest that's not from Black Heart Gold Pants. Instead, we have from Off Tackle Empire, MM Wildcat. What's going on? How's it going, guys? I am doing pretty oh, you good. Know. Max, I, are life. you okay right now? I'm a little worried. Before we get into anything Iowa-related or anything Northwestern-related, I'm a little worried for your sanity. The Cubs right now, not looking too good. Tell me where you're at right now as a Cub fan. Um, the Cubs are bad, but they're not White Sox bad, so at least there's that, right? You just right? had to throw that one little jab in there, didn't you? Yeah. I, I'm not feeling great today, just in general. And then, the, and then I've got the anxiety already kicking in. We're not, we're still two and a half hours away from game time there, so I'm sure everybody's going to laugh tomorrow when the Cubs have already lost in their hearing. Probably, but that's okay. Well, let's get into it, guys. We have a fun show. Like I said, I I think the best place to start right now before we get into um, Northwestern week is if you know it's the perfect time of the season. It's the midpoint. I think we should do some superlatives. I think it would be a nice little conversation starter. Um, and then I think that you can jump right into with some of the best moments that you've seen this season and some of the worst, because I got a couple of those questions for you too. But kind of, sh- it's a way to share some of the things for Iowa fans that might not have been tuning in to Northwestern football on the early parts of the schedule. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Well, let's start it right off the bat, and I'm kind of curious on who your MVP is, Max, for the early start of the season for Iowa, and who's yours for Northwestern? Uh, well, I mean, I don't feel as though I, you can really go with anybody except for Nate Stanley or maybe even Nick Easley at this point for Iowa, because at least it's what I'm going to go with Nick Easley. Why not? Because Nick Easley has made himself a valuable target. I don't think Iowa's offense is anywhere near what it is, and it's not that great to begin with. But I don't think it's anywhere near what it's been so far this season uh, without him because he's the favorite target of the new quarterback, and he's made it easy for him to adjust to being a first-year quarterback in uh, the Big Ten. So I'm going to have to go with Nick Easley for those reasons. Boy, yeah, man, for, I mean, for Northwestern, geez, it's, 
how do you choose for like a three and three team that has been blown out in in two of those and just has looked like generally disinterested at points? I mean, it, it's been not not fun. If you would have asked me th- like three games ago at the end of non-conference play, I, I, I legitimately, honestly, would have had to tell you that Hunter Nicewander, the punter for Northwestern, <laughs> was our MVP, and I, it would have been <laughs> unironically. He was averaging like forty nine and a half yards a punt. I mean, it was amazing. And then Big Ten football rolled around, and he's been, I mean, worse than mediocre. Like, couldn't even punt for Wisconsin levels of bad. So um, that's a little punting humor, by the way. I've brought now the, the whole off-tackle, like, quota for the day of punting references. So so I think we're all good. Um, other than that, it's, it's tough because I have to, because he just broke the school's, you know, all-time record for, for yards. I have to say Justin Jackson's up there. Um as he goes, so goes the team. Um, in games he's got o- that he's rushed for over 100 yards, Northwestern has won, perhaps unsurprisingly. In games where teams stuff him at the line, they lose. Like it, it, It's a pretty simple thing, but he's still averaging almost five yards of carry on the season, uh, 4.7. Um, and if I were choosing somebody on the defensive side of the ball, Nate Hall currently has seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, he's a linebacker. It just... That's, a, that's about as good as it gets here. Clayton Thorson's been mediocre. It's tough to choose really anybody other than other than Jackson or Hall. I'm really glad that you brought up punting because oh, we bring up punting at least once a week. And we've, we've been talking incessantly about Iowa's punting problems uh, for the last three weeks especially. And so you gave us an excuse to <laughs> bring mean, it up. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, Ratsetter definitely wasn't going to get any of our MVPs. I, I mean, I, I know they've used so like, Gersand. Is that the backup's name? Gersand. Jesus Christ. Learn how to pronounce a word. I think it's Gersandi. Um, I mean, what the hell? Like, he. <laughs> is it just that. This is Kirk Ferentz is where he thrives. He's got nothing in the punting department. No, like, four star quarterbacks to, to flip or anything or. I was about to say when you you first originally started talking about forty seven yards a punt or whatever to start the the non conference schedule, Kirk Ferentz just got a little feeling in his pants. But then, yeah, not so much afterwards once he got into Big Ten. But yeah, it's I mean it's honestly been frustrating for a lot of Iowa fans watching Ratstetter do the rugby punt, um, especially once the Big Ten figured out all you had to do is just kind of run under it, fair catch it. You're going to have pretty good field mm-hmm. position as long as you don't let it bounce. You know, the, he was going to get the yardage that he was intending to get. And actually, uh, I think it was one of our writers, Jordan, looked this up and was talking about this the other day. I was been actually for the last about five, six years really bad at punting. Like, I think that they average about like 39 and a half yards per punt. So, uh, in Iowa punting, we always joke the punting is winning and all that, but uh, it. It surely hasn't been winning for the past or for the, in recent memory. But I mean, with fakes like Ron Kaluzzi's, you have to like Iowa gets like a pass in that regard, right? You brought in not only a graduate transfer punter, but then one who earns first downs. This is true. What a fake that was! Oh, glorious. As as far as touching back on the MVP for Iowa, I'm kind of glad you didn't take Nate Stanley, Max, because that was my guy. As a sophomore, he's got nearly 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns on the season on only two interceptions. He came up huge in the Iowa State game. And honestly, if it wasn't for that Penn State game escalating like our hopes for this season, I think most Iowa fans would be thrilled with the production that he's put out in the field. Has he missed some passes downfield? Absolutely. Has he had a fumbling problem and some issues feeling the pressure in his face and on the backhand side? Of course he has. But he's again, he's a sophomore. He's only started six games. 
that's expected to me. And moving forward, I really like to see what he, you know, how much he grows in the second half of the season, and it begins on Saturday against Northwestern. Yeah. Are you, I, that, that brings me to this question. Are you guys a little worried? About, and I'm kind of just going to throw these in there since we can kind of do the preview at the same time since you're here. Are you guys worried about Nate Stanley beating you over top? Or are you guys, as a fan base, kind of just focusing in on stopping Akram Wadley and then everything else is secondary? Well, I mean, it, you know, it starts, I think, for Wadley. It's, you know, we have memories of the, what was it, the 2015 game when he uh, just obliterated us. Is that the year that? Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah, so forty to ten, I think. I don't know. I drank it away. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it starts with Wadley. But you know, if I'm being honest, where I really be worried about getting beaten by Iowa is is really underneath by Stanley. Um, you know, we've got two pretty capable safeties in Godwin Igwebuke and Kyle Cairo, who are good at both wrapping up and then not getting beat over the top. It happened once, uh, I believe both in the Wisconsin and the Penn State games. But that was more a function of stuffing nine guys in the box and really just praying that Saquon Barkley wouldn't beat us. Um, really, it's been at cornerback where you know we've got people like Trey Williams who, and Keith Watkins who are out or have been fighting injuries. Um, and they've been susceptible to the kind of the five and six yard little under quick hitters that, that march you down the field. And so if Stanley's connecting on those and if they get the tight end involved, uh, you know we could, I think that's really where Northwestern has to worry uh, worry about uh, about giving Stanley time to pass as well because we don't get to the quarterback well. So if they can, if Iowa can kind of chew chew yards and march down the field, uh, I think they have a real uh, real good shot at moving the ball consistently. Um, as far as the one player and or position group for the season that has surprised you for good or bad, where do you both stand on that that aspect of you know Iowa and Northwestern at this point? Oh, I'm going to go with a position group that has surprised me for the worst, and that's going to be the offensive line for the Hawkeyes because it's been bad. It's just not been good. Pass protection's been fine. It's been decent. Stanley's still getting uh, hit on occasion. He's still getting, you know, they're still getting pretty decent pressure on him, but the offensive line has just not been good. Everybody was expecting them to run the ball down everybody's throats, and I don't, don't think that they're even averaging four yards per carry this year. It's just not good all around uh i don't see how anybody could say that they're not surprised by that aspect of the iowa game everything else is pretty much where it is i guess stanley himself is a little bit uh of a surprise just because nobody thought that he'd be this competent coming into the season but i i have to say offensive line has been truly shocking is this the part where we bitch about our offensive lines or i've reached that point of the show uh that's the whole show Oh, excellent. Oh, great. That I'm, uh, Punting or fantastic. offensive line, your choice. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Punting or offensive line play. You take your pick on which one you want to bitch about more. We're here for all of it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I mean, the one that I bitch about most consistently is going to be Northwestern's offensive line because um, there are two teams in the Big Ten that are averaging 3.33 sacks allowed per game. Uh, it's Northwestern and Purdue. Uh we, we honestly were worried after the... Uh, by the way, that's tied for 120th in the nation, so just in case you want really that kind of perspective of how bad this line is, you know, luminaries such as UConn, Louisiana, Lafayette, like, all of those better than the Northwestern offensive line. Um, then uh, it really... <laughs> we're concerned about, like, Clayton Thorson just having complete shell shock after the Penn State and the Wisconsin games. I mean, he was just getting murdered back there. It was... Uh, you you couldn't help but feel for the guy. He had no time to throw the ball, and then by the end, it was the decisions were so bad. Um, so it's been it's been the offensive line easily that's been the most disappointing. Um, yeah, 
no question for Northwestern. Is there a combination that's not being played for you guys that you think can make things different, or is it just there's not enough depth up front? So Pat Fitzgerald, actually, it's great that you said that um, about combinations because he was beating the drum all, all preseason in kind of that sanctimonious way that he's good at. Um, <laughs> of course. You know, the best five guys will play. The best five guys will play on the offensive line. And it turned out we don't really know who the best five guys are. Um, maybe the five who came out against Maryland last weekend, but I, we still don't know. There's no there's no real winning combination there. I mean, the fan base is, I guess, the same part of the fan base has wanted offensive line coach Adam Cushing fired for the last like three years now, and suddenly Pat Fitzgerald values stability. So, no, there's not a great combination at this point that's working. Um, it's just kind of disappointment across the board, unfortunately, because there are some real good, uh, you know, good individual talents or guys that we thought were good when they came in, and just the development's not been there yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm starting to think now. I'm kind of envisioning how I was going to win this game, and it, it seems like those guys up front, AJ Epinesa, if he had a good week of practice during the bye, and if they get him some more snaps, he might have a little bit of a field day. Oh, yeah, but they're going to have to give him the snaps. That's a big part of it. And, by the way, props to me for saying his name right for the first time all season long. Yeah. Not to toot my own horn, but I, I was going with Maui for a while because I just wasn't confident in myself <laughs> saying the name. So. Yeah. So, he's it's Epinesa. He's been saying uh, Espinesa for so a big Epinesa? portion of the season. Uh, what Wasn't there something else in there? Or was that just Espinesa? I think I might have done the Espinosa at one point. I might have called him Mini Minosa at one point. I'm – my dad's a Southside Chicago Pollock at this point, so we add S's into everything. My father, for my entire life, every time he tells a story, he starts it with, so I says to the guy. <laughs> not said, not say, says every single time. So it's just part of my, it's part of my fabric. But yeah. So, Doctrines myself to the same But thing. yeah, so it's AJ Epinesa, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be hearing that name a lot on Saturday, but... Uh, he hasn't been getting the snaps that we'd like to see him get, especially. But against a team that's susceptible to a pass rush, it would be a good time, i say. Yeah, I mean, if, if you guys hit Clayton Thorson, I'm hard-pressed to see a way that Iowa doesn't doesn't win this or at least dominate kind of on that, you know, dominate the game on, on that on that front. It's He's had no time to throw against teams to whom Northwestern has lost. It's just uh, Duke, Penn State, Wisconsin, all were in the backfield constantly. Uh, if if Iowa does that, I think Iowa wins. All right, prediction time so, already. Sounds good. Glad we're going to end the podcast. All right, all right. end the podcast now. Just shut it down. Give me the bleach, too, yeah. <laughs> so th- then let's get to this. What has been the mo- more disappointing loss out of the three that you just named? I mean, it has to be Duke, doesn't it? It's, yeah. It has to yeah. be, yes. You go on the road to a to a. Power five school, and that this is one that North basketball school, <laughs> right? A basketball school. Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard, though. I want to just digress on that. I'm currently wearing uh, my Northwestern 2016 NCAA Division One Men's Basketball Championship uh, Road to the Final Four shirt that's in purple. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but Northwestern's a basketball school now. <laughs> um, made this thing called the NCAA tournament. It's it's been a year or so since I was been there, so I'll try to fill you in on what happens. Um, 68 or 69 or 72, whatever number they're at, how many, how many play-in games there are now, uh, that many teams meet and play a single elimination tournament in various shit cities across the United States, like Greenville, uh, South Carolina, and uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. 
Northwestern was privileged enough to make that this last year, and we've decided that we're doubling down on this. We're, we're renovating Welsh Ryan Arena. Uh, we're going all in on this basketball school thing. So football is just kind of a nice little thing that uh, that keeps the alumni happy in the meantime. Yeah, so is this the time to thank you for putting Doug Collins back in my life as a Bulls fan, or should I wait till later? Thank. Thank. Yeah, I meant that. It was dripping with sarcasm. I, I didn't hear that, but I, I'm glad you were at least being sarcastic. I mean, have you guys seen him in the stands? Like, uh, BTN cuts to him like seven times a, a game. Yeah, and he's a lunatic. Oh, it, it's insane. Like, you almost are thankful that they've started cutting to Julia Louis-Dreyfus now because his face was turning shades of purple that, like, I mean, this is like blood pressure over 200 on the top end of that. I mean, that's not healthy. No. Yeah, that's why Garpax hired him. They were so worried about his health, they just needed to get him into a stable situation. <laughs> Fantastic. They care for their own. I don't know if you've heard about that or not, but they like taking care of their guys. I've listened to 670 a few times. I know uh, I, I know all about Garpax at this point. <laughs> Max, most disappointing loss out of our two. I think I know where you're leaning, but let me hear it. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember either of them. <laughs> I do recall one of them. You had quite a bit. I want to say schnapps, but I know that wasn't it. What was the, oh, gin? Uh, maybe yeah, that was that was, that was the Penn State game. Uh, I mean, yeah, I did pick Iowa to. I didn't pick Iowa to lose against Michigan State, but I did tell everybody to be wary of the Michigan State game, and everybody literally laughed at me. And then we lost, and I felt really validated. So I don't even. I'm not even disappointed because I got to get some self validation. Uh, from that uh, loss, as bad as that sounds. But yeah, I'd have to go with the Penn State one. They had it in their grasp, and it just didn't work out. For me, it's that Michigan State loss. It, it was an absolute dud after a week in which we weren't supposed to win, but we were in that game, last play, last second of the game. 11 first downs, 19 yards rushing, two loss fumbles. It's inexcusable how they played. Yes, the defense gave up a score early, but they still held Michigan State to 300 yards, uh, a shutout in the second half. Like That was one of those games that the defense once again gave every opportunity to the offense outside of maybe getting a turnover or two, but gave the offense every opportunity to win that thing, and they and they lost. And that one's going to – at the end of the season, these guys are going to look back, and they're going to look at that one and just really wish that they had a different turn of events on that one. Until they lose to, like, Minnesota. But that's a different conversation for a different week. Yeah, big time. Um, best play for the season so far for you two. If you had to put your thumb on one of those plays, which one would it be? Best play? Uh, that's a great question. Let me Give me a second to think about that one. Uh, MNW, do you have anything on that? On, like, one specific play in the football game? that. Yeah, one that kind of just, like, made you think that football was fun again. <sighs> I didn't know football could be fun. <laughs> Shit. Well, it's I not mean... like it was okay in that on-con. Well, I mean, besides the Duke game, which, right. I mean, that whole thing, if, if you ever have the chance to go to a football game at Duke, don't. Um, Did you? My God, I was in Atlanta doing research, and I drove up from Atlanta to, to Duke through the night, I might add. Um, rented a car at, like, 2 in the morning and drove up to Durham. Um, <laughs> it is just lifeless. Like, there is nothing. And then you just, you sit in the sun, and you bake until you die, and... The biggest like feature there was people waiting in a line to go into Cameron Indoor. Duke sucks for football. It's awful. Yeah, um, I couldn't imagine that it's good. No. I, I guess I think the best play... There's, you know, it was the, the Justin Jackson run where 
last week at Maryland where the C parted and the safeties had clearly, and the linebackers had just missed an assignment or they had miscommunicated and he just walked into the end zone to make a 37-21. That was one where it was like, okay, we're not going to lose to an ACC school. Like, everything is still fine. We're still a mediocre Big Ten team. Um, otherwise, the first half, like the entire first half of the Bowling Green game, where, besides like a fumble or something, they came out from that just shit loss against Duke and just choked the life out of a toddler. Um, it was really, really enjoyable to watch. Very visual. Thank you. It's, I, I, try, I try for those metaphors that Graham doesn't let me publish over on OT uh, to get them all out in casual conversation with people. <laughs> but that was the moment where I was like, okay, we're not going to lose to Bowling Green. Like, it's not as bad as we think. Um, let's see. Let's, you know, go play Wisconsin and see if we can, like, have a chance. And we had a chance, but, you know, that's how it goes. Do I have to pick an Iowa play? No, you don't have to, because uh, I got an Iowa play for us. Can I go with the 87-yard loss on a fumble from the Mich- Mississippi State-Louisiana Tech game? <laughs> because uh, that was that made me really, really happy. But I guess if I was going to go Iowa, I'd pick the Akron-Wadley uh, run to, or what was that? Uh, that was a completion. That was a pass. Uh, to tie up Iowa State at the end of the game. Absolutely, yeah. The 45-yard touchdown to force OT. The way he made that first guy miss and then dismiss, like, the gorilla tackle, and then juke a corner and then plow right through him after he juked him to get into the end zone to tie that game up in a game that we probably should have lost was just... It was the all-Madden video game Akram Wiley that we've come to expect, and that one's, like, permanently saved in a file on my computer just, you know, for sad times that I can go back and watch it. Honestly, I think that the best part of that uh, loss... Or not loss, sorry. That best part of that... Wow, words... You said the word loss, and I was thinking loss a lot. Um, the best part of that run, I think, actually, is the fact that Joel Lanning is on his face behind uh, Akram Wadley. And whenever Iowa State fans bring up how great Joel Lanning is, I think I just saw a tweet from Wide Right Natty and Lanning, uh, Natty Light on Twitter before we got on here that uh, said, "Wow, you know, he's never even caught a pass, and he's like looking, and they're going to consider him for this award as like a joke, which is a stupid joke." Anyway, I digress. Uh, their, his, their new folk hero uh, is on his face trying to tackle Akram Wadley, who is like 30 yards ahead of him. And that's that makes me happy. Because forget them, I hate them. Analysis right there. That was a long, rambling statement that made almost no sense, but it made me happy to get out there. I'm still trying to, to process my hands. the wide right... I'm still trying to process the wide right made a bad joke. I mean, there truly is a first time for everything. <laughs> Oh yeah, they've they they never are uh, off kilter. They're no. always very very clever, very funny. If you guys had to pick an X factor for the second half of this season, this kind of will get into our preview of the Northwestern game for you, MNW. But Max, let's start with you. Give me your X factor for Iowa, and then I'm curious to see what Northwestern's is for people to watch on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to say that the X Factor ends up being uh, Tristan Wirfs. And I'm going to go with him, the right tackle, because we'll see how this offensive line performs when they move him over to, or when they insert him into the game and uh, have uh, Sean Welsh back over at his rightful position of uh, left guard, is it? Uh, I think, yeah, it's left guard. Uh, So I think that that will definitely kind of help sturdy the line. Hopefully the offensive line starts 
run blocking again and Iowa can, you know, get back to a respectable ground game because they pulled it off a little bit against Illinois, but it was Illinois. Illinois is horrendous. They made, Illinois made Iowa look very, very competent on offense, and we all know that they're not, at least so far this season. Well, yeah, so I, I definitely agree with that. Just I, I, He was going to be my pick as well, Max, to be honest with you, but I'm going to just for you know the sake of being different, I think my X factor is going to be Noah Fant. Um, we've seen in the ability for him to get open downfield. Stanley hasn't been able to put the ball on him you know, the way that we want him to, especially once, you know, they're kind of in the middle of the field. I think Fant needs to be the X factor. I think for them to open up that, the run game, it's going to help obviously having that offensive line solidify itself in this past week. And hopefully Werfs can step in and be exactly what he is going to be for the next three years anyways. But having Noah Fant in the middle of the field and as a safety valve for defenses to not just come up, pack the box and stop Akram Wadley where he's dancing all the time, five yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's going to be huge for Iowa's offensive potential. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was thinking about saying the tight ends, but I figured that the tight ends have been relatively decent this far this season anyway. So I thought that that might be a little bit of a stretch to say that there would be X factor. But uh, on defense, what would you say? Probably Imani Hooker? Yeah, Hooker or um, uh, Brandon Snyder. Either one. I know that Kirks is still saying he's trying to figure out exactly who's going to be back there, but um, I think it's one of those two for sure, solidifying that that safety position, which has kind of been a roller coaster ride all season. Yeah, no, I would agree. Safety play definitely is uh, the thing that is going to be the X factor because the defensive line, they've been okay. The cornerbacks have been okay. Linebackers have been good. Safety's a little bit more of a question mark. X factor for the rest of the season. Boy, uh, I mean, we've talked about the offensive line. I think it, it comes down to that in part, so whether or not that develops. But to be honest, I, I mean, I have to put it on Clayton Thorson on some level. Um, if we're going to talk about somebody who should be, who should, you know, we're talking about him as, as a draft pick, you know, perhaps getting the Trevor Simeon treatment. Um, there were two passes last week that were intercepted by Maryland that were just unacceptable. Um, just bad throws, bad reads, uh not quite sure what uh, what the deal has been with him, and I chalked part of it up to you know that that shell shocker that constantly just being looking over his shoulder, but you know at some point he needs to uh, he needs to be making making those throws, uh, making throws especially in a clean pocket that uh, that are allowing Northwestern to, to march down the field either with five yard completions or with twenty five yard completions. Um, so if we can get some improved passing especially out of him, you know improve on that eight to nine touchdown to interception ratio. Um, I think then really Northwestern's offense can thrive and kind of make up for uh, uh, make up for the uh, the slack it hasn't been pulling uh, or that hasn't hasn't been keeping up for the defense. Yeah, I think it's interesting actually that you bring up Clayton Thorson and say that he needs to be kind of improved because I think at Northwestern I was looking at earlier uh, are like third in the conference in passing yards. I mean that might have something to do with them playing behind in a few games, but. Uh, especially against Wisconsin, where they kind of got back into it, but yeah, they're at nine, eight to nine touchdown to interception uh, ratio is not good. That's very 2012 James Vandenberg ask, which allows me to bring up James Vandenberg for the what third consecutive week. Just like punting, you have one, uh, you have one a week that you have to mention him. 
Yeah, I just really, I, I really like talking about James Vandenberg because I'm like the only person who left on this universe who remembers that his 2011 season was really good. We've all got to have our one thing, right? Well, you know, the, the uh, weird exactly. thing with it is that, and it's just kind of a, a statistical oddity, I think, at this point, because I'm sure that either Iowa or one of the other good defenses in the uh, in the Big Ten will have something to say about it. But Clayton Thurston has thrown nine interceptions in each one of his three, se- excuse me, three seasons as Northwestern's quarterback. Um which, right? The problem with that is, uh, we are only six games into this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I mean isn't ideal, and he's he's completing passes at a higher clip than than he has in years past. Similar yards per uh, yards per attempt, but you know, at some point, the, those mistakes are just uh, are going to come back to bite uh, bite Northwestern in the ass, and you're only improving on a on a seven and six season right now, and when he w- in which he went twenty two touchdowns, nine interceptions, so. You know, it's it, if he can improve those numbers and get it towards a respectable clip, I think we're talking about Northwestern as a seven or eight win team again. Yeah, that would make sense, Jerry. What do you? Uh, you uh, we already discussed this for uh, X Factors. Yeah. So, but I guess you could say that Clayton Thorson's kind of an uh, interception aficionado, and there is something that I saw earlier about you, MNW, that you are a Martini aficionado. <laughs> So I kind of want to get into a little break here before we get into the actual Northwestern preview, and I want you to tell me why the Appletini is the best martini and why. I mean, I don't know that there would be any way that you would possibly know this about me, and if there is, we really have to have a conversation about both your search habits and my online presence. Um, I, it so happened that, you know, by kind of circumstance, I wound up living with a guy senior year um, in Northwestern who he and I had the exact same birthday. Um, and so we're turning 21 October 3rd, and uh, we decide to go out to a, to a local bar in, in uh, Evanston, Nevins, that's not going to be there much longer, actually, which is really depressing. Um, but he goes up to the bar and says, well, let's go get our first drinks. And I walk up there with him, and the bartender says, what do you want? Okay. And, uh, you know, he looks at looks at me and looks at her, and with all seriousness, says, we will take two apple teenies. <laughs> and so the first drink that I ever legally had in a bar uh, was an Appletini, and so it, it's got a soft, a soft spot in my heart. So if just for nostalgia, Jerry, the Appletini is the is by far the best martini. I, I know that now. Now that I'm looking, uh, I just clicked your name on an article you wrote. It does say Martini enthusiast on there, but it doesn't say anything about the Appletini. So I actually, I'm kind of curious, Jerry, where did you find that, or were you just did you just accidentally hit the nail on the head? So I accidentally hit the nail on the head, if only because we have a similar story. My 21st birthday, I went to sports column in Iowa City, and my first two drinks, my first one was not the Appletini. My first one was a um, Mm -hmm. a redheaded you-know-what. And then immediately after that, because the show Scrubs was popular at the time, we as a group decided to have Appletinis. So... That's the only AT- martini I've had in my entire life, so I threw it out there, and I apparently Jeez, I struck gold. You really did. <laughs> I wish I knew what to say. <laughs> no, I mean I I am very much on the on the kind of gin trail with that, but uh, apparently you've you've somehow tapped into that reservoir of like emotional, I don't know, trauma of my first legal drink being an appletini. We're simpatico, my friend. Well, let's get into Northwestern then, and right off the bat for the actual preview of this, from your expert advice. What does Northwestern have to do to actually win against Iowa this week? And then, Max, we'll kick it over to you, and you tell us all what Iowa's got to do to beat Northwestern. Boy, it's, I mean, it starts with establish the run. Uh, 
you got to get Justin Jackson going at something that approaches a, you know, a four to four and a half yards per carry average. Um, and the lucky thing is, is that, you know, in, in the, the cursor research that I did on the bus ride home today about Iowa's defense, I learned that Iowa's allowing 4.5 yards per carry, um, yes, which is really convenient. Um, <laughs> because that, that is about the only way, as I said earlier, 3 0 when Jackson goes over 100 yards. You know, that seems to be the way that Northwestern wins. And if that if we can use Jackson to soften up the middle, um, as we finally demonstrated last week, Northwestern appears to have multiple receivers who are, I don't want to say pretty good, I'll say competent. And so it could be, you know, one of those dangerous returns to those halcyon days of, uh, of you know, 2013 or what have you, where uh, 2012 when Northwestern would just dink, dunk, and, you know, kind of slice away slowly down the field. Um well, not 2013, we lost that one, but the general point being where, you know, we kind of slowly make our way down the field, you know, with no kind of urgency in mind, just, uh, you know, four-yard completion to some nondescript two-star white guy at a time. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, that Iowa needs to, uh, words. what was I going to say? I had a thought, and then we started to talk about two-star white guys, and I just thought all <laughs> Iowa players. Um, you were triggered. Oh, I was gonna say that Iowa needs to. These go hand in hand. Get a pass. Uh, right. Get a good pass rush going and stop the pass. Uh, Iowa is third to last in the conference in pass yards allowed per game, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they can't get pressure on the quarterback. Against Illinois, <laughs> Jeff George Jr. had all day to throw the ball. Absolutely, all day to throw the ball, and it was mostly because he he and the Illini offensive line were actually really good at moving the pocket and mm. giving him different pockets to kind of work with. But uh, Iowa was just they were not able to get anything on him. I don't know if they even hit him once. They might have hit him a couple times, but it just felt as though he was upright all day. And you know that's Illinois. Uh, you know, against Penn State, they did a pretty good job uh, defending the pass, but otherwise, it's been not great. They let they let North Texas pretty much do what they wanted in the air in the first half of that game. Uh, Iowa State did pretty much what they wanted through the air, and that was mostly because of some bad safety play. But Iowa needs to figure out how to get pressure on the quarterback and disrupt that pass uh, flow. No, yeah, well said. I, I completely agree with you. They got to figure out a way to get that done because that's what killed them against Michigan State. They gave up those quick points through the air, and it was toast after that. Iowa's offense couldn't get going, and if it's going to be slippery sledding for them again and the offense can't get going for some reason, it's not going to be easy just going into what I keep calling and making fun of Kinnick East and just getting a game out there because it's just Northwestern. That's what they always do against Uh-oh. Iowa. You don't do it. Sorry, I did, and it's. I, I'm. I'm already. I'm already waiting for it to happen. Like I just. It's one of those things that just. At this point, I always mark Northwestern as a, a loss, just so my expectations are that low, so I can be happy later. Well, uh, every game is a Northwestern fan, though. I mean, that's just. That's what we're doing from the get go. In that beautiful so, stadium. Well, th- you know what? You touched on it. This is where I'm just going to clear the paint. It's time, MMW. I know that you wrote a piece on this the other day for Off Tackle Empire. You kind of railed on Ryan Field, and I'm ready to hear all of it in voiceover. 
give me your Ryan Field thoughts because your article was make it was cracking me up. Honestly, I'm ready for it. I'm from sh- the Chicago area. I'm not from Chicago. People get mad at me for claiming it, but I've been to Ryan Field a couple times. I've had enjoyed myself there, but it's mainly because I went out before in Chicago and then I went back out in Chicago afterwards. So let it lay it on us. Well, I mean that's talk about going out before and then going out after. I I spend four hours usually in Westlot pre-gaming pretty heavily so that you know when i get into ryan field my expectations are noticeably dulled uh, <laughs> by, by what you find inside and look it's you know you guys you guys have all the just northwestern cracks and whatnot you know it is on some level it's what you get at a at a university that de-emphasized athletics for the better part of 45 years i mean that's it's just not the nicest stadium in the world and, and what do you do with that and so the the idea behind ryan field is that it has to be, you know, almost kind of hauntingly beautiful in the way that, you know, staring into an, you know, some sort of Rothko painting is hauntingly beautiful when you're looking at shades of black. Um, it, it needs to be, you know, deadening in terms of the silence. It needs to be terrifying in terms of, oh my God, there are that many open seats at a Big Ten football game that's not at Purdue um, or Maryland, I guess, now that having been there. And what's happened is. It's just, I mean, they. every time you think, wow, you know, they're finally catching on to this idea that it's this kind of kitschy but, you know, fun thing for, for the 25,000 actual Northwestern fans who are there week in, week out, just everything just gets ruined by some either corporate bullshit. I mean, you guys know a lot about ruining game day atmospheres with corporate bullshit. But I sure do. It gets ruined media by com- that. Or- right, exactly. Yeah, medium com court i mean what is the delta dental smile cam or whatever uh case ih red zone oh hell yeah man (laughs) yeah so it's like you know all those stupid things and it's just you know things where they throw out t-shirts and all that stuff it just feels like that's going away and and, you know in order to trot out some you know hey look at these animatronic race cars run on the on the scoreboard you'll win either medium or mild wings at buffalo wild wings if your car wins what the fuck like is that really what i'm you know what i'm spending my in-game kind of stuff looking at money's you know not to be all northwestern about it but money's not an issue like make it something where you have families and you have students and you have you know alumni season ticket holders actually wanting to come back and then maybe you can even think about getting casual fans you know from the northwest, you know, from the northwestern, from the Chicago area, who who might want to come out on a Saturday because they're bored and nothing's on TV, and you know, it might be a nice day. I don't know it. I, I Jerry, I could go all day about it. it. It's just a frustrating kind of thing to continuously have stadiums taken over by you know Michigan State fans or Brang Penn State fans or you know, whatever it is. On some level, you have. And that's- sorry. No, and that's is that kind of why you got to the point to where you wrote that you were wishing you just had Purdue's facilities? Boy, I mean, when I was at Purdue a couple years ago, like they, they're doing a couple things that it's like, that's kind of cool. Like, I would not mind seeing that at Northwestern. And one of those things was they had renovated that south end zone, and now I think they're saying it's going to stay that way for a while or something. But they put a whole beer garden in the south end zone. Ooh. Like Jerry, yeah, and Jerry mentioned like you have to be pretty shit faced to watch a game at Ryan Field. You can be shit faced and watching a game at Ryan Field. Like what a brilliant <laughs> meld the two together. Um, 
I mean, at Purdue, it was $5. $5 for a freaking like, pint of beer. And it was local. Uh, you could be, you could put that at seven, eight dollars, and you would have so many fans so mad that they're watching a game at Ryan Field that, bam, like you make up for having to do the Buffalo Wild Wings race car challenge or whatever stupid shit you're doing now. <laughs> but I don't have it. Yeah, I don't hate that. You're right. You could put a premium on those beer prices, and everything gets a little bit easier. Better. Well, and on top of that, then what would you have to demolish to do it? the fucking south end zone with all of those stupid empty seats I, I i'm convinced now like the way to get fewer iowa and minnesota and wisconsin and penn state and whoever else fans to come to ryan field knock down the south end zone put in a beer garden like mnw for evanston mayor or northwestern comptroller of alcohol consumption or whatever it is i've announced my candidacy uh that's exactly where I sat for the couple of Iowa games I've been to, by the way. I, I like it, though. I like the idea. I will I will now consider attending more Northwestern games. We'd be... As an, as an Iowa fan. I'd want to say we'd be happy to have you, but that's a lie. Uh, we would tolerate your presence. I, uh, you, you know this about me. Uh, I don't know how many people know this about me. Uh, I grew up supporting Northwestern. Uh, my grandfather played in the 1949 Rose Bowl. For the Wildcats. Tuba. As the best people who are in the, uh, uh, who attend Northwestern do. Of course. <laughs> Learn something new every day. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not something I advertise because I write for an Iowa blog, and Iowa fans generally hate Northwestern because of uh, what they did to Ricky Stanzi so many years ago. Corey Wooten, you bastard. Yeah, there you go. See, and... So I like to not advertise it because... I am now pitching I don't semi with the mention of that, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, it made it even worse when he became a bear after that, too. And I had to deal mm-hmm. with that for a couple of years. He also, did, he also then did it to Aaron Rodgers, though. Not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, was it Aaron Rodgers? No, it was Rodgers? Brett Favre. Yeah, no, that it was... was Brett Favre. Yeah. He did it as it's a bear. It's been so long. He did it as it's a bear to so my long. Vikings quarterback. It was, really, it was really frustrating to watch, to have Corey Wooten's wrath then turned on my football team. I didn't enjoy it. Uh, it's been so long since I've cared about the Bears. That <laughs> it's hard to remember these things. All right, guys, it's prediction time because I have one more question from MNW that I am so excited to ask. Lay it on me. Let's go with our guest first. Prediction time. What do you got for this game? You know, I swore whenever I would like go to a guest spot on a podcast that I wouldn't be that asshole Homer who picks his team. <laughs> and- do what to you be want. honest, I, I don't know. Like I have a I don't have a coin to flip right now because I would do that because it's going to end 27-24 with some heartbreaking game end drive. I don't know who's going to take that drive though. So I don't know. I'm thinking of a number one or two. Max, what do you got? I have plenty of coins in front of me, as our uh, listeners know from previous weeks. Do you want me to flip it for you? Flip it, please. All right, call it in the ha- call it in the air for Northwestern. Right. Uh, heads. Tails. Iowa 27-24. <laughs> uh, I don't think that either of these teams are going to put up that many points. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 19 to 11. A good football score. Yeah, great football score. Yeah, and I was leaning 21-17 somebody, and like I told everybody earlier, I'm going into this game just assuming that I was going to do Iowa things against Northwestern. And you might as well flip another coin. Do it for me. I got Iowa with heads. All right. Let's see. And tails. 
there you have it. But typical Northwestern week, we have two coin flips, and either way, nobody knows what's going to happen. I love it. Wait, so you're going to this game as well? Me? Jerry, oh, Jerry. And Jerry's gone. Jerry. Oh, no. We've lost Son him. Son of a bitch. I know you're going to the game. Oh, hell yeah. I want to go so badly, but alas. I was going to say, we have Wi-Fi at Ryan Field, but no, we're, we're not even that technologically advanced. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, I, I don't think that I could stay sober for long enough to... It's also true. Do, ...do game day things, especially if I end up meeting up with people that go to Iowa slash whoever. <laughs> yeah, last... Was it? Yeah, two years ago when I was there, I we had was one Iowa, one like OT regular, I think he's a regular black card, um, Chi-Town Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Who, I don't know if you met him. He, he came and uh, we met up and, and had a great time. Um, but then later in the day, we also met up with, uh, not hello. Hello. Okay. Oh, Hey, Hey, we're telling the stories. God, this program is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you guys met up with, oh, we met up with, uh, with Chi-Town Hawkeye. And then later in the day with, uh, uh, Corn shoe hammock or Hawkeye Elvis, uh, though as you guys know him. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Friend, uh, friend through both of us kind of living in proximity in the uh, in the Twin Cities metro area. Um, his daughter actually goes to a school that uses the Go U Northwestern uh, fight song for their own school, and so he uh, I get a lot of sure. angry texts from him when he goes to to football games and and has to listen to that song. Um, I met up with the two of them and uh, and brought along since you know you need to initiate the newcomers. Uh, brought along a bottle of my personal favorite, uh, Malort, Chicago's, uh, Chicago's Big Ten liquor. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Right, and uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, Elvis was not pleased with me. Um, wrote a pretty angry article, I think, in the wake of that, talking about how I was an asshole for bringing Malort and making him take a shot of it without telling him just how, how bitter it was. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> there we are. Yeah, actually, I was involved with the Twitter conversation with him about that. Uh, he uh, was some... I forget even how it got brought up, but somebody brought up uh, Malort, and I was just like, Malort is good, uh-huh. and he's and he referenced, I have a Northwestern friend, and I had an idea that it was... We you, killed a whole fifth of Malort but, that day. It was, a, it was a good morning. Uh, yeah, Malort is good. Well, I mean, then we lost, what, 40 to 10 or some shit like that so good, at that yeah, point it good was, morning jesus you know the more just helped dull the pain something sure jerry you said you were going in this game no i unfortunately am not anymore i'm coming in for ohio state weekend to chicago and i think we're just gonna go mess around down in the city as you should yeah much All right. decision so do you have anything else um yeah i want to touch on one more thing so yeah and i'll just do it right we'll go from right now so before no, we... no, no, we're not. We're leaving all of this in. Oh, yeah, right. Even better. So then everybody can know that Zencaster is awful and they will not be sponsoring the show. You want to leave that in? Leave it in because it's been bad. Um, all right. You, you hear that, Matt? Matt, we're leaving it. <laughs> Anyways, I have I, – I really just want to know. Obviously, you already mentioned earlier that Northwestern is a basketball school now. You guys are expected to be in the top four of the Big Ten this year. But you've met Bill Carmody, and he is one of the most interesting people to me 
And for reasons that I don't really know why, but I've always found interest in watching Northwestern basketball when he was there. Like him and John Sherno's relationship was super weird to me, and I never like quite got it. Can you tell me how he is and what your experiences have been with him as you know a writer, blogger, and a fan? Oh, absolutely. So, like you mentioned, that you liked watching his teams. That was part of the reason that I went to Northwestern in the first place. Um, as as sad as that is to admit. Um, yeah, two years before I started there, they went like the full. They went over in uh, in Big Ten play, and so um, yeah. I mean, Bill C's got a special spot in my heart. I, I grew up watching him, you know, because he would always frustrate the hell out of like Dan Munson's Gopher basketball teams. Um, which thank God I have a drink in my hand because it would be terrible to remember that otherwise. But I was intrigued by that like one three one defense, that backdoor offense. You know these weird scrappy little white guys in t-shirts hitting three pointers. Um, because I was that like gangly awkward kid who couldn't actually play basketball that well, but who was like, you know, kind of field generally on my like lowest level of traveling competitive basketball team. Um, and we were really good at running the one three one. So. That's kind of why I got into it. Um, in general, like it, it was that kind of scrappy, you know, underdog Northwestern narrative. It was the little engine that could, you know, smart kids playing basketball, all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, it was just legitimately fun to watch. And then he had all the mannerisms on the sidelines that you would want to actually like watch, but none of them that were really basketball esque. You know, Tom Izzo turns a delicate shade of purple as he stomps up and out and screams at people. Matt Painter looms. Bo Ryan has never seen a Wisconsin player commit a legitimate foul. Um, Bill Carmody screams more at his players than he does at the refs, which I find, you know, refreshing. Um, and they kind of spawn this whole legend, you know, on, you know, sipping on purple and then inside on you and, you know, among friends of what is really in the paper cup that he's always sipping out of on the sideline. Um, some people suggested, based on that like 2009 profile, you know, Bill Carmody, the onophile, that it was red wine. Um, and then we discussed it couldn't be just red wine. You would one, you'd see the like the color in the cup. Come on, this is serious business. But two, that's not as fun. And eventually, we kind of settled on that's just straight fucking Everclear in that cup. Um, that. He's just got this Gatorade, like Gatorade Dixie cup on the sideline. He is just going to town the entire time. <laughs> by the end of the game, he doesn't actually know what the hell he's drawing up in, in the in the huddle, but it works. Like he he is a master out of bounds play caller. Um, the one thing was he would always then get so drunk he would forget to tell his teams to break the press at the end of the game, and so that was really you know kind of the downfall of, of Bill Carmody. Uh, but yeah, with, with like John Sherno, with Mike Michael Juice Thompson. Um, you know, even Kevin Koble, who he, Kevin yeah, who Koble. he ran off the team. Was he drunk? Yeah, was he drunk when he ran him off? He didn't go to Italy, right? Wasn't that that whole thing? Like, he didn't go to Italy, it was an injury? Yeah, he was injured. Uh, there were some health problems in the family, I believe. I forget the whole story. But, uh, yeah, he didn't want to go. And Carmody, I think, with his usual tough love kind of brand of coaching, uh, had effectively told him that, you know, it's this or it's this or you're out. Um and so he was out, but I mean, you even see it now at, at Holy Cross with uh, the now graduated Robert Champion. If there is a player on that team who can who can kind of make those threes and who's that tall swing kind of three four whatever the hell John Sherna was, um, he is going to ride him mercilessly. It became you know it got printed on like student shirts at the time like make shots. 
because he would just scream that at people. Just scream, make shots, damn it. Make shots! And stamp his foot, sit down, cross his legs, throw his hands back, uncross his legs, stand up, take a sip of Everclear, and get back to coaching on the sidelines. And it, it just there's that one player, I think it's legitimately because he sees something in that guy. He sees this is a talent who can do something at the next level, and he demands a lot out of them. And it's, I don't think, for everybody, and that doesn't make what Bill did right, that doesn't make what Coble did right. Um... But yeah, that's uh, I think that's just kind of the coach he is. He's got his system and he's got a player that fits it, and that's Robert. You know, that's Robert. Um, that's uh, yeah, Robert Champion. That's John Sherna, um, and he just has high standards that he holds them to. Why would you talk about taking them to or players going to the next level of Euroball? Gatorade, Gatorade G League. Yeah, I mean Gatorade G League, Euroball, whatever it might be. You look at like the Belgian. Bass, you know, Belgian Euro Basket <laughs> League right now, there are like three or four Northwestern players in there. I mean, that's fucking placement rates, kids. Do you know how many people there are in Belgium? Belgium? I don't. But the point is... Alex, Alex Ola is over there somewhere right now. Alex Ola and Trey Debs, I think, are on the same team. As they should be. Yeah, I mean, that's how else... There's no other way you'd want it. You'd want a little 6'1 guy hogging like 35% of the shots your team takes and a 7-foot Romanian just kind of sweating his way through the through the paint. <laughs> Sweating out the same Everclear that Carmody was drinking. I don't want to know what kind of shit they drink in Romania, man. It's <laughs> that that guy. But yeah, the one the other thing you asked was, I guess, what uh, what Bill was like in person. Um, and I won't tell the entire story because I wrote a very long post about it on on OTE that you guys can go look up. I think it's just called "I Met Bill Carmody and He Hasn't Lost Since." Um, <laughs> this was actually I've returned close to the scene of the crime because I'm, I'm live from Boston right now. Um, yeah, so I had this buddy who's in who's in Boston in med school, and I decided to come out to visit him uh, one spring because we hadn't seen each other in a while. So uh, book a flight, come out here. But we'd scheduled it around a week where uh, Holy Cross was playing at Boston University. Um, so I literally scheduled an entire trip from Minnesota to Boston just to see Bill Carmody. <laughs> Um, and Greg, I guess. Sorry, Greg. Um, but no, we go, we go to this game, you know, it, it ends, we're kind of making our way down, and the players, the fans, the referees, the coaches, everybody exits out the same, like, six doors at the end of this high school, like, Bush League gym that Boston uses. Um, and so, like, Greg and I are realizing, oh shit, he's doing his radio show on the other side, we're not going to make it over there, but we can make it, like, to the doors and, like, waylay him on the, on the way out, and they just lost by, like, 15. So sure enough, we're standing by the, the doors to the locker rooms, and there comes poor Bill Carmody, and he sees us both standing there wearing Northwestern sweatshirts. And, I mean, the poor guy, like, he, he already is a very dour fellow. Um, he gets this just, oh, fuck look on his face. And then it kind of softens, and he smiles, and he goes, hey, fellas, how's it going? And, like, we shake his hand, you know, we, we're joking, so we miss you at Northwestern. Um, you know, sorry about the loss today, but great to meet you. You know, we, we admired you. Uh, you know, we hope it goes well for you. And he looks at us, and I'll never forget, he goes, can either one of you make shots? <laughs> and we were so star, starstruck in that moment, like, which is the stupidest thing to say, that I was starstruck by Bill Carmody. Um, but we're starstruck, and we're like, oh, my God, if we can, we learned it from you, coach. And he just kind of like smiles and gives us a sad little like one of those little hand flip waves that he always used to do and just walks away. 
<laughs> and we, I mean, we, as we walked like back to the tee, we were both in such like stunned silence. We didn't know what to say for a full five minutes. It was like, yep, yeah, that is about as like Carmodian as a conversation could have gone. Like, can you make shots? Nope. All right. Well, fuck off. <laughs> no but yeah, that's that. that. That's my love of you know of Bill Carmody kind of <laughs> distilled down into five minutes, I guess. Which is sad to say that it probably could have gone for half an hour. That's fair enough. I mean, we don't have anybody that we can say that we used to love because there's nobody worth loving before. I mean, now, though, Iowa has, what, like the the most upright, like, hall patrol or school bus monitor kind of coach in the Big Ten, right? He'll report anybody who violates anything? I respect it. Hey, you got to. I, I mean, a man's got to stick to his guns. Or Win, graduate, oh. do it right, MMW. I don't know if you heard about it or not. <laughs> but not in that order, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> do it right first. Graduate second. Uh, winning, sure. And hire family members along the way to, to help you do it. Hey, now you shut your mouth. Or have them forego scholarships to play. So it works for both sports, you see? It's perfect. He has a love for baseball, damn it. Yeah, he wants to play baseball. Come on, I can only apologize. <laughs> All right, it's, so. it's kind of scary, real quick, just to touch on this, the, to end this Bill C conversation. It, the way he he dropped the can you or just you know can you make shots, make shots thing that gave me a little like that's football shutter from Kirk Ferentz and like his Everclear cup just makes me think of what the hell Kirk might be chewing on all the time and then like oh, his God. note card obsession and then Kirk does this thing when he comes out of the tunnel he does a little hand wave he just like flips his hand up in the air it's kind of like weird and sissy like they're kind of giving me some like Kirk Ferentz like oh my God we have Bill Carmody as a football coach <laughs> oh my God like the cover two. The one bad year, 20, yes. 2012, like Bill Carmody's 2007, 2008. It makes a lot of sense. Well, that's why you guys come to the pants party, because now your head football coach is Bill Carmody. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> Look what you did. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, to our guest, MNW, thank you so much for joining us today. All of our fans out there, go check out his stuff at Off Tackle Empire. Or don't. Um, or don't. Yeah, whatever. I mean, either way. It's shit either Maybe way. Wait. Maybe wait till next week and then go check him out. Give him all the uh, the clicks that he deserves. <laughs> um, but guys, also as well, if you guys can go on to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it helps us out tremendously. Maybe eventually we will get somebody to come on here to help us out with some plugs. That's not Zencaster, and uh, we will go from there. I wish you all a very good week and an Ohio Hawkeyes victory on Saturday. And for Max Brecky, I'm Jerry Sherwin. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, beat Northwestern.